Welcome to What's Korean Cinema, episode 46 on Attack the Gas Station. And the intro goes as follows. Let's review Attack the Gas Station. Why? Just because. My name is Kenny B. With me is Paul Quinn of Hang On Sally Lord. And this is the shortest uh, but most fitting intro I've ever written. Because if you've seen the film, you'll know where that intro comes from. Where that is sourced from. So, hello Paul. Good evening, Kenny. Good evening, everybody. That's a, a line that uh, could easily be placed on, I suppose, via the the poster or like a DVD cover of the movie. Uh, you know, uh, let's rob the gas station. Why? Just because. Yeah, it really could. It really should. That's the entry into the, the drama of it all in this movie that, uh, like many Korean movies uh, at that time, as, as I got familiar with titles from the forums, I didn't watch many, but I knew the titles. Like, uh, Barking Dogs Never Bite, that's a title you remember. Attack the Ooh, Gas yeah. Station, that's a title you remember. And, and and certainly stuff I did watch, like Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, that's the title you remember and kind of want to watch. So uh, they, they had a knack for um, doing uh, good English titles, at the very yeah, least, really even did. if it wasn't really the did. same in Korea. So uh, how is it going? It's the middle of summer here, so uh, what's this sort of Korean cinema reviewing season like uh, at the moment? Uh, are, you, are you out and about uh, and going to screenings, or are you uh, sitting at home and uh, screening stuff there? Kind of both, you know, um, throughout the year, there there are a load of teaser screenings that go on. So you go and check those out. And I've sort of hit quite well this year because I deliberately, I don't ask what's coming. Do you know what I mean? The, the KCC sets up these things that have been big. And normally I'll just go along doing what I'm doing. If I see something worth talking about, whether good or bad, I'll add it into my sort of schedule. But this year sort of I've been hitting things that then as soon as i've said i'm going to review it i get an email saying that that's going to be the next teaser screen and so it's been going quite well so far this year it means that everything is a lot smoother and i'm not having to put things off to put you know a thing in because i feel the need because i've seen i've gone to a screen and stuff so it's it's clicking along nicely Nicely. Even though it might be old news by the time this recording comes out, but I'm still curious. Uh, any uh, any word, rumor wise or not, when uh, UK audiences or critics uh, are gonna be able to watch Parasite? But we, we, which is Bong Joon Ho's new movie? Yeah, totally, totally. Well, we'll mention him a little bit later on, by the way. But um, uh, as far as we can gather, it's supposedly going to be released in the UK in October. Um, I haven't been able to find out whether that means it's going to be released in cinemas and then on Blu-ray or DVD, or if it's just going to be, you know, a, a disc release or on demand. But from what I can gather, we will all get to see Parasite in some shape or form in October if we have access to UK stuff. So I've been going out for a lot of Korean meals and catching up with people that run Korean culture sites and whatever. And it's been doing my head in because every time I meet somebody new, they've just come back from Seoul and they saw Parasite and I have the same conversation with them, you know, night after night after night. You're just like, stop saying you've seen it. I feel like I'm the only one who hasn't. So um, I can't wait for it to come out, but supposedly October. And I don't even know what it's about, and I think I'm going to keep it that way. Uh, the posters say nothing other than that people have redacted uh, uh, redacted eyes and faces, I suppose. Uh, whether, whether that plays into the movie, who knows? But uh, it doesn't seem obvious. For the first time in years, 
I know nothing about it apart from the title and the director, obviously. Um, I've deliberately, I do not want to know. You know, I just don't. I want to see it blind. And I, I, from what I can gather, it can. You know, Bong Joon-ho was very big on trying to get critics not to give any games away. So, Yeah, I remember that there was like an English language note of some kind that was going around yeah. from him where he uh, politely asked for no spoilers, I suppose. Yeah, totally. So, you know, if that's good enough for Bong Joon-ho, it's good enough for me. I'll take his word that I need to see it. We know Song Kang Ho is in it, and that's about it. So. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you know, you know, main cast. You know, the director. Uh, you know, and you've you've seen the movie poster, but I know nothing about the storyline whatsoever, and I've ignored it completely, deliberately, so that I can see it completely blank. Who knows? Like in a few months, maybe Netflix st- steps in for some reason and say, "We'll bite," and then all of a sudden, everybody has it. Who knows? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, stranger, stranger things have happened. And uh, let's uh, get into it uh, in the Wayback Machine to 1999 and attack the gas station. But uh, first of all, uh, some brief contact information. This is What's Korean Cinema on the Podcast on Fire uh, network. And uh, our uh, website is podcastonfire.com, where the back catalogue of uh, our uh, prior 45 episodes plus... uh, a fair amount of bonus episodes uh, are available of uh, What's Korean Cinema, going back to episode one where we did My Sassy Girl, and uh, then whatever whatever episodes we did, the likes of Train to Busan, and uh, and all that good stuff. So uh, we got a plethora of stuff that even goes back to uh, to uh, uh, black and white days. So so it's all good. Indeed, indeed. And in addition to What's Korean Cinema, we have shows on Hong Kong Cinema, Japanese Cinema. We do uh, category-free adults-only movie reviews on This Week in Sleaze. And we do bonus episodes, as I mentioned. If you have any questions or feedback or views on this movie, Attack the Gas Station, let us know. Podcast on fire at googlemail.com. Follow us on various social media by clicking the Facebook button, the Twitter button, uh, the Stitcher radio button, or even Instagram button at the top of our website. And on uh, Facebook, you can join the discussion group to follow show updates and that very thing, discussions. Uh, so uh, we would very much appreciate your uh, input, uh, even if you share your views on a movie that, so to say, everybody has seen. Don't be afraid to do so, because uh, uh, your uh, your view matters as much as uh, anyone else's. So uh, please do. There's no shame in saying, like, I haven't seen Old Boy, I haven't seen this and that. No, it uh, doesn't matter if you see, see it now or saw it at release. So uh, exactly. feel free to come in. Uh, I write about a variety of Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies over on my site, SoGoodReviews.com. My video hub is LisaKVideo.com, and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. And uh, Paul is there for, uh, he, he mentions that he goes out and watches movies and reviews and reviews them. But where in the world, where on the World Wide Web can you find your review hub? Well, hi, guys. Um, yeah, I'm Paul. I run a Korean film review uh, interview and sort of essay website called Um You can find me at Um I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash hangle celluloid twitter is at hangle celluloid um if you go to the site the facebook button the twitter button are all on the home page um you'll find movie reviews cast and crew interviews i give a load of talks around the place on korean cinema and i'll always transcribe those so there's an essay section where you can hear if i've introduced a movie or whatever so go have a look 
Cool. Well, uh, we are going to get this uh, show uh, going. And uh, as for uh, the rundown of what's to come, we have some uh, discussion points we want to touch upon first. And that means the episode is divided into sections and all are accompanied with timestamps in the show post. So if you want to go straight to the review of Attack the Gas Station, then check out the time timestamp. Uh, first, we'll do a sort of mixed discussion on the commercial impact of Attack the Gas Station, its themes, its commentary, a little bit on the cast and crew, and then that is followed by our review of uh, the very film in question. So Attack the Gas Station from the sort of mighty year of 1999, I suppose, uh, in, the, in, yeah. the, uh, in the Korean cinema history. And the plot from IMDb goes as follows. Uh, a quarter of disaffected Korean youths have robbed a Seoul gas station. Later, while hanging out, in a Chinese noodle shop, they decide to rob the same gas station. After taking uh, the gas station over, their, their wacky antics ensue. They force the manager to sing, they kidnap customers uh, that complain about the service, and stage fist fights between uh, street gang members and gas station employees. And all of these events and antics tend to reflect their own gripes against society. So, uh, the background uh, Attack the Gas Station was sort of right in the new Korean cinema sweet spot, I suppose. Uh, or at the very least, uh, it was there at the start of the uh, of the new wave that began with uh, Shiri or, or other movies that came the year before. Uh, but, uh, you, know, you know, because you had melodrama like Christmas in August or, or uh, black comedies with The Quiet Family the year before, but Shiri kicked it off uh, mightily as we have discussed before. So the commercial boom... At least the year, even if they, this came before Sherry release-wise. But the commercial boom was present, it was looming. And the scene would get bigger as the years go on. But how, how did a comedy like Attack the Gas Station do at the box office at the time? Attack the Gas Station, in short, was the second highest grossing film of 1999. Se- second only to Sherry that we've wow, already mentioned. Really? I could not have guessed that. I thought it was a smaller movie than that. It is. Um, and that statement makes it seem like wow you know it it was so it was phenomenally successful for a comedy but if you take the actual admission figures sherry had two and a half million admissions seats yeah attack the gas station which was the second most successful only had nine hundred and five thousand. it was getting there but you know it wasn't anywhere close if you look at things like christmas in august for example it had only 600,000 entries so you know saying it was the second most successful is the case but shiri was so 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 important so successful that it just blew everything else off the map if it had been taken out it would have been a much more even playing field and attack the gas station was much closer in figures to you know the ones that were slightly below it Still, still the second most successful film of 1999. Um, and it stayed pretty successful, pretty high in the listings until sort of JSA and Friend came out, you know, a year or so later. And if we talk a little bit about the inspiration behind the scenes, even, even though it, this is a comedy, I, I read that uh, director Kim Sang-jin and maybe first and foremost the writer Park Jung-woo, they tapped into a type of social commentary uh, around the time of uh, making it uh, whether it was a very current one or something that was present earlier in the 90s so but but it did connect to the economic turmoil of that decade and yeah. uh, it, it features very specific references to this in the film so 
please elaborate a little on that but spoiler free like uh, what's been said here uh, in terms of uh, social commentary even though it is uh, like a wacky comedy where where these wacky antics happen well i mean what you've got to note is that at just before this in 1997 two years before this film came out there was a a, a huge economic crisis just burrowing its way across asia and a lot of foreign investors were getting that were investing in korea were getting frightened that something something was going down they, they were seeing the signs so they started to pull their investment out of korea for years before korea had been borrowing 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 just to you know prop up the its budget it's sort of you know its economic outlook and as soon as these things these companies started to pull out they couldn't pay their bills so Bank of Korea noticed the the problem that was going on, alerted all the politicians and everything, and were all set to fix things or to try and make things change in a way that would help big businesses, small businesses alike. But the politicians, you know, they, they, they had their hands in the pockets of the conglomerates and they only cared about them. So they made the decision to go to the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and get you know, a billion dollar bailout. Problem was that the International Monetary Fund put so many conditions on giving Korea that money that it ended up meaning huge layoffs of small family businesses, medium-sized businesses without affection affecting the conglomerates too much. Korea was open to hostile takeovers from foreign investors. So you'd get Korean companies that were now being taken over by U.S. and whatever. It was all so in favor of the U.S. and against Korea that the number of businesses in Korea that failed after the IMF bailout was was insane, phenomenal. And it really affected the youth as well because, you know, kids were finding that their, their parents suddenly had no businesses. They suddenly had no money. That, you know, everything was going down the pan. They were being told they had to excel at school because if they didn't, they'd have nothing. And when you look at the actual plot of Attack the Gas Station, when you look at the, the young guys, each one of them has had their dreams stripped away and has become just this essential thug, really. Um, and that's sort of what the director was saying, that, you know, this is what's happening because of what's going on in the economy. The film was a massive hit with students more than anything else. And you've already mentioned that, you know, previously, late 80s, 90s, cinema was essentially a middle-aged thing. Those melodramas galore, you know, middle-aged women went, nobody else really did. You can say that Sherry was hugely successful in getting younger people in and pushing directors to point to younger people. But... So was Attack the Gas Station. It was so aimed at the young that it just struck a chord. And yeah, it only got 905,000 admissions. But, you know, that was big for the time. And considering they were mostly young people, it played a huge part in revitalizing Korean cinema as a whole. And apparently one of the social impacts the movie also had was uh, real-life copycat crimes uh, were popping up to an enough degree where someone made the connection to attack the gas station, uh, even if it was only a low amount. Uh, so it's, uh, it's kind of like, well, we can go and attack a gas station. Well, you shouldn't, because uh, we have enough. This is not the solution to the problems. True, but you know it does show how disaffected 
the use of the term word that they'd see a movie like that and think that's a good idea we've got nothing else mm -hmm. you know as you say just because and it was because they were so depressed so so disillusioned with life in korea you know and i mean it does have to be said there are numerous little digs at the whole economic situation the whole big companies small companies the whole you know uh imf being on the side of the U.S. and taking, you know, giving lend money to Korea at extortionate interest rates, etc. If you look at all the characters, you know, you've got your manager who really does not next to nothing, really. You've got all the gas station customers who are all really well to do and are essentially con men. They try and get gas for free. They they try not to pay at all. They say they don't have any cash when they have. Um, and you've got the the vocal thugs the whether it be the delivery boys or the four guys attacking the gas station and the director kim sang jin actually said that he put those in like that to mirror blue collar workers versus white collar workers because it was the blue collar workers that were getting it all in the face the white collar workers weren't and in a series of protests and riots over the economic problems, it was the blue collar workers that were violent. It was them that went on a rampage. And that's exactly what the blue collar people in attack the gas station do. Final thing about this, but um, at one point in the film, there's a, a, a rock fan is, is one of the protagonists, I guess. And he's drinking from a can of Pepsi and two policemen go, God, what what are you what are you doing? Drinking Pepsi? Support Korea. You're giving money to the Yankees. And there again, you know, Kim Sang Jin was just saying, look, we're just giving money to the Americans here. Um, so there are lots of little things that you can grab hold on that are really quite intelligently done. And if you don't notice them, it doesn't matter. Indeed, uh, that's the balance. It strikes indeed, uh, yeah, which I personally noticed. Uh, Talking of uh, the cost uh, and acting and uh, sw switching to the impact of the young cost here, because they, they are fairly young. Uh, am I right in saying this ensemble, um, especially the, the four, four leads, uh, were actors that were, weren't that known? Uh, and have they, have they taken hold of the industry since, if we talk of uh, leads such as uh, the main fuck played by Lee Sung-jae? In most cases, of the, of the, if you take the four main young guys, three of the four... Lee Sung Jae, Yu Sung, who played Bulldozer, and Yu Jae Tae, who played paint. He was the guy that did all the painting over things. Um, for them, it was all either their second film or their third film. So they were they were new to the situation. Um, and we'll talk about where they went from there. The one person that surprised me was the guy that plays the, the rock fan. The, he's the long-haired sort of metaler. Um, his name's Kang Sun Jin. And this was his 10th film. He looks super young for someone who's got 10 movies already under his belt. Totally. And if you look at their careers afterwards, the other three sort of kind of went on and got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'll, I'll note a couple of films in a second. Then they all sort of take a little break and they're now back in 2018. When you look at Kang Sung Jin, he was the opposite. He had done these 10 films before it. His final film... You know, he did one in 2003, then he did one in 2013, and then he just gave up film completely and went to TV. So 
if you look at Lee Sung Jae, you'll have seen him in everything. And, and his, if you're a fan of New Korean cinema, his filmography is just a list of the some of the best Korean films from that era you can find. He was in Art Museum by the Zoo with Shim Yuna, uh, Ghost in Love. He was in Barking Dogs Never Bite that we've just mentioned recently. Um, Kick the Moon, Public Enemy, Daisy was Jun Ji Hoon. Um, and he was in Korea's first 3D film, which was essentially a soft porn called Natalie in 2010. Just last year, he uh, is working, was working and has worked with um, Kim Ki-duk, who we know is not far from controversy, really. And his latest film is called Human Space Time and Human, whatever that means. But that's Kim Ki-duk film. And that's that's out. It was out in Korea at the very end of last year. Um, the bulldozer character, you most likely recognize him from Friend. He's got a very, very memorable sort of face. He's done you know, Spring in My Home Town, Beat, which were all really new Korean cinema things. And Yuji Tae, um, who was the painter, you're probably going to recognize him most of all because he was in Ditto, which is a really classic time slip film. Um, he was in Into the Mirror, which was remade here as as Mirrors with Kiefer Sutherland. Natural, Natural City, he was an old boy. Um, he was the, the main guy that caused Chaemin Six character to be locked up. Um, he was in Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, and he's still going on and on. His latest film, again, 2018, a film called Money. Oh, cool. Well, he uh, if I were to guess, like uh, out of all these, that, who, who would go on to sort of movie stardom status uh, because he looks kind of... Uh, he looks more like a proper movie star because he has a handsome way about him. I mean, that would have been Lee Sung Jae because he's not, he doesn't have like crazy hair or do crazy things. He's more of the cool brooding type. So, so it's good that these careers were went somewhere after this one, and certainly because it was successful, they were seen and all of that. But someone who wasn't sort of at the beginning of his career was director Kim Sang Jin, who. Despite working in a newly born Korean cinema, he was not new on the block because, by my count, this was his fourth movie, and he has gotten his total up to ten movies as director now. So uh, he continues to work throughout the millennium. So I guess uh, my, my questions, uh, my interest uh, radar peaks in regards to a couple of things. Like, uh, what have you personally picked up in terms of Kim's preferred style, genre, and themes? Because when you look at Attack the Gas Station, that has relevant and as you said relatable commentary for an audience who all knew of the economic turmoil so has he kept up this habit of pointing his eye to social issues uh, regardless if he's made comedies or not subsequently he, he really does but you know like you say comedy is is his thing you know if you look at the things that he he did as full director himself um they're all funny they were all really successful he did kick the moon which is a, a gangster comedy essentially. He did Jailbreakers, which is about convicts breaking out of jail and causing havoc, kidnapping Granny Kay. I know we're going to talk about it later. He did Attack the Gas Station two in two thousand and ten, and Ghost House in two thousand and four, which was the highest grossing horror comedy of the time. So regardless, he's he's into his gangsters, he's into his you know people on the edge of legality. And he's into his comedies. That's what he does. And when he's worked with other directors, a lot of times it's been director Kang Woo Suk, who most of you will know from sort of the two cops thing and um, 
and a public enemy, another public enemy, and that sort of thing. Um, when he's worked as assistant director, it's usually been with him, and it's been a gangster-related thing. Sometimes comedy, sometimes not. But you know, he he likes his gangsters. He likes his his people that are not fitting into society, and he likes he likes to be funny. It is therefore a tactic gas station a little bit more of a isolated example that rode the wave of a commentary that was in the air with the economic turmoil and the subsequent movies didn't have commentary as such because there wasn't anything in the air necessarily to point towards. Pretty much. I mean, he'll always put some sort of commentary in, but it's more, it's almost like he pokes fun at whatever subject matter he's looking at. He doesn't like things taking themselves too seriously. Um, And when he gets something this big, I don't think, he 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 could have ignored it and making fun of you know the young people making fun of the the con men older people etc etc is just his way of dealing with it um as i say he did attack the gas station too in 2010 which sort of is 10 years after well 11 years after um and it retells a similar story but from the perspective of how young people live now rather than how they lived then so it's still it still grabs him he likes his commentary but you know if you look at everything overall he likes his comedy above all else well we, we might as well talk about this since you mentioned it that that, that a sequel did come up come out in 2010 with with a new perspective of sorts i suppose so how was the sequel in in your eyes for me the sequel was as good maybe even better than the original it's it's certainly more contemporary Essentially, it tells the story of the same manager, which is played by Park Young-gu, who anybody who watches Korean cinema will recognize. He always plays a sort of a pompous buffoon, really, in a sort of a management thing. Um, You've maybe seen him in The Royal Tailor or The Humanist. Um, he was in Happy Euro Christmas, etc., etc. Um, he always plays those sorts of parts, and he doesn't take himself too seriously either. Essentially, the story goes that in the 10 years since the the gas station was attacked, he's been paranoid that it's going to be attacked again. So he hires four thugs to actually run the gas station and keep them safe. A group of teens does come and tries to attack the gas station. The thugs knock them out of the way. And then the thugs become the danger because he won't pay them and they end up turning on him. So it's essentially, it's just a more contemporary version of, of the same thing. Humor-wise, he, he pretty much hits the nail on the head at every step, which I don't think he quite manages in Attack the Gas Station. Um, but, you know, for me, watching both is an ensemble place. You're not going to go wrong. Was it, uh, uh, did it make a dent box office-wise uh, when it came out? Or? Yes, it did. It did indeed. Um, it made at the Korean box office just under five million four million six hundred thousand and if you look at 2010 that's going to be pretty much top five six seven so i mean it it did very very well for something that that is essentially regardless of what you're talking about is a comedy um they're they're very rarely as successful as as the big budget you know spectacle um so it, it did well for itself put it that way it's cool to hear. Maybe he uh, he thought uh, for a long while how to properly bring back the concept 
out again rather than to uh, squeeze it out too fast. Uh, so that's, that's always good to hear that it was well received. Uh, the original movie, Come Awards season, uh, was uh, well received and recognized, mainly its lead actor, Lee Sung Jae. Uh, which is the leader of the group. Uh, he won Best Actor at the Blue Dragon Film Awards in Korea, as well as the uh, uh, Baksang Arts Award for Most Popular Actor in Film. So uh, he, he made he made an, uh, an impression. And um, then, uh, I mean, did he recast anyone or it was only uh, the, um, the, the the main, uh, uh, the boss of the station? Uh, he didn't bring in, bring in any old cameos or such? Just... No, essentially it was just, the boss of this, the manager Park Young Gu, and it does have to be said that in 2004 he starred in a film called Africa, which I've mentioned before. It's not that wonderful, but he essentially parodied the role of Attack the Gas Station. So he's been playing this part repeatedly for decades. Um, still, still trying to fix that damn phone. Still trying to fix that phone and hide the other one he's got <laughs> under the table. Right on. Well, uh, let's uh, move on to the actual movie uh, itself and our uh, views of it. Uh, I've seen this once, but it was on such a crummy, cropped Hong Kong DVD that it looked, the transfer looked awful, even for, and, and I don't have any standards really, but even. Uh, even I said, well, uh, what is this? And so I didn't take uh, much away from it. So this time, uh, uh, watch a clearer version. It's uh, it, it strikes a fairly nice balance between dry comedy and broad behavior. And uh, he it's, he's also fairly skilled at making the events and antics at this single location last uh, two hours. And you'll leave thinking about one or two things in terms of social commentary, which, which is n- never a downbeat commentary. It's never forced onto you. Uh, but... Uh, it was not this sort of quirky, broad, comedic slam dunk. I was more quite amused at an even even level throughout. And it was nice to revisit it because of that and finally see the movie in a bit more clearer, clearer light. If I'm being honest, it might not be this new Korean cinema wave movie that I'll easily return to there is something about it that well i'm I'm very happy that i watched it but it it doesn't have this immediate sort of pull uh, necessarily uh, to go back to it Uh, but uh, it's all um it passes the time quite well and there are observations to to make uh, during those um, two hours so uh, uh, that's my brief view for now Uh, what do you want to say about the tactic gas station you you start looking into new korean cinema and you become obsessed with it and Every film that gets repeatedly mentioned, you've got to chase down and you've got to see. So I, I did that way back in the day with Attack the Gas Station. And I have to say, the first time I watched it, I, I wasn't disappointed, but I wasn't actually you know, jumping out of my chair either. It's, it's okay. It's humorous. It's let's have a wry smile rather than let's laugh out loud. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. On, I haven't seen it for years until just a few nights ago when I rewatched it to do this and I was much I welcomed it much more than I did the first time and that's because you know time is gone and, and and you you know the cinema that you find important so you can just look at this and say yes it, it was important for what it did but you know it's kind of throwaway and it's just let's sit back and you know let's get a little bit absurd so it, it works it wouldn't be my favorite comedy it wouldn't be my favorite film um, I, for me, it's lovely to see actors and actresses that became so big way back at the start of their career and see, 
you know, little shades of what they're going to become. That was as much of the fun about it for me as anything else, really. And and I think um, it certainly um, starts to um, either promise that it's going to overdo things, or simply that it's going to pull out some pull out some stylistic tricks uh, out of uh, out of the pockets every now and again because uh, the movie is very active and loud initially you know the camera is spinning and we got a jump cut to the rascals that are gonna gonna rob the gas station and the gas station employees they're all enjoying their routines it's quite rock and roll this and uh, not a care in the world so thankfully though despite setting this at, at essentially one location for two hours it, the director never really needs to spice it up constantly with noise and such he's uh, merely so setting the stage every now and again with uh, with uh, style and a spinish uh, and a spinning uh, camera, and uh, in, in in terms of social commentary, I mean we, we we'll touch upon it, uh, I suppose, throughout the discussion. But you know, I, you know, I got some because it's quite uh, apparent that uh, they're dissatisfied in general. So uh, and they're aimless uh, youths, not kids, but uh, they're they're youths. They're in their twenties. It looks like, and for for me, it felt like the social commentary. It uh, decided to place itself there. It wanted to be genuine, but it never changes into full-on melodrama. Because one point I think uh, uh, the director Kim Sang Jin makes is that um, they might be in the right to be dissatisfied, but uh, that doesn't give them carte blanche to be uh, to be fucks per default, and we're gonna like that because they're, they're not necessarily nice to the people here <laughs> you know so so is that uh, you know one is the is the commentary in general like it's there it's nicely communicated or is it overdone for for your money's worth no i think i think it's it's nice it's quite nicely done some of it you know is obvious some of it is less so um some of it's a little bit more intelligently done um i do like the fact that it, not to give a spoiler away but in the middle of the film um one of the characters that the one that that's the was the musician, I guess, um, forces four gangsters to do a song and dance thing. Um, and it is nice to note that at the time the film was made, sort of K-pop was, you know, the whole idea of K-pop idols was just getting to be what it has become since. And of course, they they perform a song and then they get approached by you know, a music mogul who gives them a card and it looks like they're going to be K-pop idols. I think things like that are really nice in terms of showing what was going on, especially when you, you consider, you know, they've done surveys in recent years where they asked Korean youths what they wanted to be when they grew up. And, you know, 90, well, 80% of them just said, I want to be a K-pop star. They had no thought of any real work or anything. They're just thinking K-pop. So I think it's cool that Kim Sang-jin sort of pointed to that's going to be the case even though he couldn't possibly have known you know i think those little things are really nice yeah and 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 that moment uh without, without spoiling too much it, it has a piece of dialogue where where, where the record uh, guy says well you might be useful for something they're therefore hinting at uh there's something to exploit yeah, totally, totally. So, so it's not this uh, heavenly sort of path to uh, to glorious happiness or anything. Do you think it, it's it's his intention to portray these folks as yes, we know where their frustration comes from, but 
but we're not gonna aim the camera and ask for your sympathy of what they're doing. I think so. I mean, he did say at the time that he made it that, or at the time he made Attack the Gas Station Two, that both films he wanted to show young people. You know, he wanted to show them living their lives when they had nothing back in the day, and he also wanted to cheer them up. And I think he he hits a nice little balance that you know, young people going to see that will see these rebellious, you know, early twenties people, and really, really relate to them. And you know, if you're going through a hard time, the thought of you know going and doing that and just you know getting your own way sort of. It's going to cheer you up. It's going to, you know, apart from making you want to commit crime, it's, it's, you know, it's going to bring a little bit of cheer to people that are having a really, really hard time in terms of the economy. And and, and I mean, it didn't create the rampant uh, copycat crimes. I mean, no, totally. uh, at what most audiences saw this as escapist entertainment uh, to a degree. So that exaggeration and that unsympathetic nature to the group that is probably all fine it's not a documentary this uh, and 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 it does create these different frequencies in in the characters Lee Sung Jae is obviously cast for, well for image he's the stylish leader and uh, he's not uh, the clown with the beating stick because that is mad dog the, the characters uh, translated as mad dog on my version he's simply aggro and on and we don't know exactly why but uh, there is an exaggeration here that's amusing and uh, an exaggeration in behavior that that i think is hard to to master and uh, he he walks that balance between which is a thin thin sort of rope to balance on between grating and amusing and i I think he hits it because mad dog um, he uh he is clearly frustrated and uh, he uh, he's in a position of power to uh, play with these uh, well his hostages really as puppets and he does amusing things uh, to them by having them uh, stand on their heads and things like that but he does beat them and I think that's when you sort of maybe snap back a little okay how far are they gonna go how angry are they and that um, content uh, switching from one thing to another I think worked quite well for me because uh, it's Korean cinema, man. You never know how far things are going to uh, go. But uh, ultimately, he's not striving for enjoyable uh, fucks. Uh, we don't like these random acts of uh, terrors, terror, even if the vibe across the characters is kind of amusing as well. And the tone is made as amusing. I mean, he uses flashback when they are uh, at the noodle shop and someone just says, let's rob it again. Then they do it again. We're into the premise fast, is my point as well. Uh, it doesn't take a, a long time. There's not a dramatic title card that talks of the economic turmoil. And then uh, 20 minutes in, we're at the gas station. Oh, we're pretty much into it uh, quite a while. And uh, then the challenge starts, Paul, of having b- both the fucks at center, but a limited amount of actors at center and a l- limited amount of locations at center. And... Uh, also how how do you develop that premise because to me it wasn't overly clear like how would it how will it expand how will what will this night hold it's only set during during the night and i didn't remember if it was going to turn violent or be funny throughout so i'm sure that it's not an alarm bell that goes off in your word like oh my god two hours at this one place but uh you know regardless how do you think he uh he did in terms of nearly single location movie for two hours is that uh, a good thing 
I think he managed incredibly well. A lot of times that would set alarm bells off. It never really did with Attack the Gas Station because he keeps it going. So by the time you realize you've been in the same place for, you know, a protracted period of time, you're still getting new little bits. You know, he puts really, you know, funny little things in and he moves things upstairs and downstairs and stuff. But um, I think he gets away with it really well bulldozer or whatever his name wasn't on your subtitles mad dog um you know sitting down and having a word game with a, a a woman he finds really attractive just to try and get her to take her clothes off you know it's it's actually just really quite fun for the way it is and yes it does go into violence but for me it was always kind of comedic violence because it's just so absurd it's so ludicrous yeah, he has a beating stick for one, so that, that is sort of ludicrous that uh, that's my weapon. I, I don't have a crowbar or anything, he has a beating stick, and it has a uh, wording on it as well, which I don't know holds any sort of a, uh, sly uh, funny things or not. But uh. You know what I mean? If you take the character of the, the young boy who was the actual a proper gas station attendant, you know, he's challenged to a fight by one of, you know, the number one school kid gangster and you know he kicks the ass out of him um and you know it all switches and and all the the who's in charge who's who's the top dog changes constantly and i think it, it's enough to keep you interested in what's going on within this space rather than realizing that you're just in this space i think he handles it really well yeah because that that is a new angle that he gets to that uh, they decide to uh occupy the station and because they 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 want cash money that's the one thing that they don't get so that's why they sort of stay because there aren't any cash money there so they they decide to serve customers and then uh, get cash money that way but they also don't approve of idiocy and they uh, are going to take it out on people who uh who mouth mouth off to them so uh so they have their own agenda intact, but uh, when whenever people are acting like uh, like idiots or, or or frustrating in their eyes, that's gonna require a little bit of a payback. So they they indirectly they they help certain people to uh, uh, to sort of gain courage, I suppose. But uh, it's certainly not heavy-handed. It's sort of amusing that that's an indirect. Uh, consequence of what they're doing there for six or seven hours so yeah, totally they have their their morals and ethics uh within frustration i suppose and uh in in terms of funny i mean the, the bulldozer mad dog comedy is funny because he's a ludicrous cartoon who has his reasons for uh for being frustrated as they all have the most skillful um comedy beats here are um the the whole business with the phone which is a, a gag that uh, that director uh, Kim Sang Jin extends in a rather non-apparent way, because uh, Lee Sung Jae's character he smashes uh, uh, the two phones that are in uh, the office and then says to uh, to the boss, "Fix them, fix them, them, so you can call." And I mean they're, they're totally broken, so he has he's got a screwdriver and that's his task for the evening. It's one of my favorite sort of guys in the movie because he plants that seed and like 20 minutes later he comes into the office again and he's sitting there with a screwdriver and it's completely pathetic. And I, I, I think it's wonderfully funny because he's not setting up that as a gag. 
but rather he walks in on him doing that and we remember it and therefore the amusing the amusement gets elongated and i think that's a rather skillful way to depict comedy here uh, it's not like he comes in there like what are you doing why haven't you fixed the phone yet he, because Lee Sung Jae isn't this uh, broad character he just walks in there and uh, if anything if he, if he would have fixed the phone and he says it's working it's working he probably would have smashed it again I'm like no it's not bye so that's uh, the, the sort of better um, uh, the better comedic uh, beats here and uh, I mean maybe it's more local and would have been more um, hilarious locally but uh, it's more dialogue and tone driven the movie and, and tone by tone driven I mean it for me it reaching it reaches sort of an amusement uh, amusing level throughout with the different ways they banter and the different broad situations and the different uh, uh, confrontations they have with customers but it, there's never bits here there's never gags here necessarily g- g- granted the 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 dance and sing sing singing sequence is super silly and at one point uh, the boss is forced to sing as the aggressive uh, delivery man comes and he he doesn't he doesn't stop singing because he doesn't dare and the delivery man is sort of like what the hell <laughs> can't he talk to me like a normal person so yes there are broad bits here but for me when i think back on it it, it has a it has more of an even tone where you sit there like i'm watching something that's quite entertaining and amusing but i'm not sitting there and like laughing at it because there are setups for gags here that then pay off Uh, i guess the only one is the phone but it's not a huge setup for for a gag so uh, do do you recognize this type of humor in terms of it being present in his in his subsequent films uh, if you were to very very much so i mean that that his is his sort of deal this whole you know you'll get enjoyment you'll be amused but you're not going to laugh out loud and i think it's what he does but i think it's what he means to do i don't think his comedy is meant to be laugh out loud it's just kind of amusing it's dry it's dry at at points it's dry dry and roll you know and if if that's the sort of outlet you're looking for for a change or whatever then it's going to hit right where it should if you're gonna if you're looking for something that's going to make you fall off your cinema chair you, you need to look at a different director really it's not what Kim Tang Jin does and uh, by the way my second favorite gag is probably uh, when they talk about the ordering Chinese takeout and they say they're not open it's late cut to the person at the Chinese food shop hello sir we're always open yeah, like, totally oh, okay so, so, so again, the, when we definitely realize that the characters are venting frustration towards what's going on in society, whether it's when one of them reacts to one of the slogans on the plaque uh, that he then stomps, and we, we can just assume that uh, that's a major red flag for them that uh, that that's the life I hate right now. That that's the attitude I hate right now. I'm gonna smash that. Those sort of signs were. In virtually every business you could think of, all those businesses that went down the pan. So you know this yeah, whole yeah, like like the slogan was uh, on my version: uh, "Strength to Korea." You know, it, it was supposed to be like an uplifting slogan. That's the sign. Yeah, it's, uh, like it's all productive workforce, that sort of thing. Let's make a better Korea. Let's work hard for Korea. All that sort of thing. And uh, you know, Kim Sang Jin's just snubbing his nose at it, really, and having that character smash those signs is exactly what 
people of the time wanted to do. They were having things destroyed on them in spite of all these fake, you know, uplifting slogans. And, and and it doesn't break mood where you're where you all of a sudden in a different movie either, which is a, a good sign. Like they they are in the process of strength strengthening strengthening at least one other character, but they are generally angry and they are robbers. So essentially, an hour in, you you've seen them play with the hostages, but uh, you've also seen them display their genuine angry uh, anger. So you're curious about the trajectory, what 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 purpose there is to this night, and if if something is going to get resolved or not, and that's not bad curiosity. I, I appreciated that. That that maintained my sort of interest level throughout the two movies, uh, even though it isn't wowing you with an audiovisual assault. But but I have to say, and this was not present on a crummy old DVD, for, for something that's set in one location, it really is nice and sparkly in terms of color and costume design. They did a really good job by making the, the, the frame pop. Because... Uh, Obviously, the, the the signs outside, you know, all all know what a gas station looks like. Yeah, it can be red and blue, and then in a room, uh, in the adjacent office, it's gonna be all lit up and maybe look a bit greenish and yellow. And then you enter, you know, place these characters, these fucks, in here with uh, their particular costume design, and it really all combines into quite an eye popping frame. So it doesn't look like this sort of dodgy shot for 10 bucks at one location just because that's what we all we could have afford so i think that there was some genuine thought put into cinematography and lighting and costume design and i think a lot of people are going to walk away thinking that either subconsciously or consciously because uh, it makes the characters recognizable without it being uh, without it them hanging signs over them that this is a silent one this is the loud one. This is the one that beats people. I love the visuals of it. I, I think, you know, the, the film positively gleams. You know, and, and as I walked away from it, that's something that stuck with me. The fact that it is so memorably visual, especially since it's really in one place. I mean, cinematography-wise, they did a blinder. They did really, really well. And it looks, you know, it looks a, a lot more high production than it actually was. And and of course we do get some 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 decent uh, building blocks to each of the Fox uh, characters because we get flashbacks to what frustrations they have uh, experienced in their life. As you talked about, they they had their dreams crushed, and uh, their option is to uh, sort of uh, well, let's just take, let's just terrorize, let's um, because uh, what all the sort of say adults do, they take, they corrupt, they buy influence. So why can't we rob and cause a ruckus? And that's serviceable depth, definitely. Certainly recognizable even as an outside viewer that you, you're not in the wrong to be frustrated. And it, again, it's a thin line between uh, you know being genuinely right in your frustration and then committing crime. And uh, I don't know, it could, could provide a talking point amidst the youth, youths so. watching this movie, you know, amidst their friends. Uh, um, and uh, because they, in their rebellious way, they, they they want to stomp on entitlement. They want to stomp on corruption. Uh, I mean, at one point, uh, they, they, they're not letting the policemen get away from the, the gas station without paying for gas. Uh, you, they literally, well, you're not entitled to get free gas. I mean, they, they overfill, I think, uh, the the tanks sometimes too. They, they like ask yeah, for like uh, yeah. uh, 35,001 or whatever and they fill it up to 50,001 and that's yeah. so so in, in a way they're not aimless thugs in that regard like they have um, they, their focus gets turned on 
in terms of what can we do to fight back ever you know in one or two instances at least even if this doesn't solve anything he does that throughout like hour two meaning that he spreads out these uh these uh, curious uh, sort of building blocks for comedy and social commentary and character and 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 that made the otherwise sort of like whew, two hours in this one place that that made that pause quite uh, quickly so if anything if i didn't connect to comedy paul as such like oh what a funny thing he smashed him on the head i, I appreciated more of the character building blocks in the second half if i'm being totally honest um yeah i, I tend to agree with you going back to comedy do you think it does take things too far with the silly song and dance and the the boss that is forced to sing is that too much or is that a welcome part of the comedy for you i I didn't have a problem with it you know i I just by that stage things are getting pretty absurd anyway um and i think that's part of the deal you know their lives you know can only become absurd because they're in such an absurd situation um, whether you look at social aspects or not, you know, that's instantly going to strike a chord with with the youth, because what's not funny about being absurd when you're young, really? Um, I think it hits it OK. I didn't have a problem with it. It's almost cringeworthy, but it's it's amusingly so. And it, it was OK for me. On the flip side, one of the things it does expand on, too, is uh, for the uh, last 20 minutes or so it it isn't just uh banter and dialogue back and forth it's um it's a stunt an action showcase uh in a way so how do you think um without spoiling it how how do you think that worked because uh he's going all out for uh in in, in terms of a technical showcase of action stunts and then a final mass brawl well, totally, and it, it's it works well. You know, it's not really his sort of thing. He's done gangster stuff, and obviously there's fighting and stuff in that elsewhere, but he handles it really well. And, you know, it is fairly ludicrous that you've got four guys in the middle, you've got the gang of delinquent delivery boys on one side <laughs> and the real gangsters on the other, and you know it's all just going to go crash. And you can see it coming, and... I was almost looking forward to it. You know, I didn't have a problem with it. I don't think he goes over the top. I think I think he hits the nail on the head, really. It's a, a very decent mass brawl. Uh, it's a, there's a lot of foreground and background activity, but even when you look in the background, they do, don't do a lot of, like, we're fighting in the background, or, like, softly, and things like that. You see that in kung fu movies all the time. If that's there, he cuts away from it quite quickly. And there are also skillful, stu- skillful stunts here, a lot of... Stuntmen being hurled into windows and displays, and there's a weight to this. Uh, actually, yeah. uh, it doesn't feel like uh, all uh, timid uh, sort of soft sugar glass, but uh, there's a weight to the brawl here, which I really appreciated. And 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 he even hits upon some classic sort of western meaning meaning cowboy all for one, one for all ending, which I which I won't spoil. And 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 by that point, you do realize that maybe it's not the events themselves aren't meant to be that serious because it's just one night of stuffs even though it's probably more active than they they predicted but uh, even as an outside viewer you are left with the feeling that this did say something about how youths feel when they're out of options or at the end of options or have trouble seeing options because uh, everything is done to uh, to make it harder for them and it it never leads into that that sort of ah, but it's there and that's that intelligence I appreciated, even if the tone didn't spike all the time in terms of 
comedy is excellent commentary is uh, uh, excellent and the action is excellent everything spiking 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 but uh, it it maintains uh, quite a quite a nice level and uh, a fairly intelligent level by the end and it still has things to do and say even during the last 20 minutes so if, if anything it manages to fill the movie and not have filler uh, so I'll, I'll conclude my notes uh, right there so i'll leave it to you if you want to say anything else about attack the gas station essentially you know if you're looking for something quirky amusing easy to watch that's not really gonna tax you in any way you could do a lot worse than attack the gas station and indeed attack the gas station too you're gonna see director kim sang jin doing what he does i mean it, it's you know, it's almost a poster picture for for what he does with film. So, you know, you get an insight into that. You can take or ignore the social ideas. If you know, if you'd no idea there had been an economic crisis or anything, you could just look at it as the vitality of, of an exuberance of, of youth that take things a little bit further than they should. It's it's a quirky, enjoyable escape for a couple of hours, and I was never bored. What's your favorite Kim Sang Jin movie? Um, is it anything that came subsequently, like Kick the Moon and Jailbreakers and things like that? I, I would, I like, I like Jailbreakers. It wouldn't be my favorite. I actually persuaded the the Korean Cultural Center UK to screen it last year, just because they were doing a series of quirky things. So it, it's very quirky. My favorite probably Kick the Moon, which is a say gangster comedy about you know three thugs who are less thuggy than they think they are and and a reuniting of uh, his main cast i see here listen jay is the lead actor in kick the moon he does exactly what he does he does everything really well um so it would probably be my favorite alongside ghost house which was as i said comedy horror just because i kind of like horror and you know he does comedy well so i would say probably kick the moon and ghost house but jailbreakers is good too Excellent. Well, uh, as for availability of uh, Tactic Gas Station, uh, it looks like mainly the American DVD by Tokyo Shock is still available uh, for a very reasonable price. And that's how I uh, got it, uh, because that, that crummy Hong Kong DVD I just threw away. This is unwatchable. Uh, it is it is not anamorphic, that an American DVD, but it is widescreen. And uh, those colors pop to an enough degree and you can appreciate the design and all of that. And, and it is way better than that Hong Kong DVD. So uh, I wouldn't blame you if you had seen the movie on that dvd and it didn't make a dent in you and then you watch it a little bit closer to as it should be watched then that um, uh, then that might change your view uh, of the movie uh, so uh, you know if the korean dvd was still available that probably would have been a little bit better than the american one but uh, that, that is still available it has a subtitled making of documentary uh, it's short but but it's there uh, so uh, they uh, sourced that and put subtitles on that so if you can uh, find it on like the amazon marketplace i do recommend it because uh, it uh, won't cost you um anything at all really uh, so uh, this came out uh, during a time or maybe just before korea went all out with limited editions and crap like this mm-hmm. so uh, do you remember if a tactic gas station had like a, a beating stick a limited edition dvd back in the day <laughs> No, from what I remember, it was just, it was slightly before that, so it was just standard sort of slipcase. Plus, you know, those limited editions were always for the the big spectacles, you know, the Vengeance Trilogy jobs or, or the big horrors. Um, and this is, 
you know, it's story-wise, it's a lot smaller. And I think that from what I can remember, they just released it as standard. Missed opportunity. Beating stick limited edition. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, considering the fact you can get, you know, uh, a vengeance trilogy with a hammer, you know, you could end up doing that and having, you know, tactical weapons for every occasion if if there were limited editions, a gun for this, a rifle for that. Great idea. And I don't know what uh, you would be able to do with the My Sassy Girl limited edition Ek edition, but uh, it was released that way, so whatever. Yeah, it was, it was. It's an egg. Okay. That's it then. <laughs> All right, uh, we are done for this episode. Next uh, episode, we fast forward to 2017 and the action of the outlaws, where the brawls continue, but the gangsters are more dangerous. And uh, this requires an actor who dealt with zombies on his way to Busan. So that's uh, a little tease for you, the, the outlaws, which I've, I'm sure you've seen, all of you, before I saw it for this uh, viewing. But uh, regardless, uh, that's what we're going to talk about next episode. But uh, in the meantime, for all your Podcast on Fire Network purposes and for all the relevant uh, links connected to the Attack the Gas Station episode, go to podcastonfire.com and check out the show post and uh, all of the social cool social media stuff and uh, find and review us on Apple Apple Podcasts, of course. I'm going to have to say I stop saying iTunes from now because uh, iTunes is is uh, going away in name so it's really uh, you don't need to say both anymore so find and review us on apple podcasts and uh, itunes are gonna just simply sort of gather everything under apple tv uh the name apple tv so uh, that's uh, why it's going away it's not they're uh, going away in terms of like all the movies you bought they're gone no it's not that so uh, but uh, regardless uh, find and review review us on apple podcasts uh, we will very much appreciate it and let us know what you thought uh tactic gas station uh, memories i would love to hear them so podcast on fire at googlemail.com but that's uh, it on my behalf for the uh, moment so uh, Paul I'm going to leave uh, you to it to plug your site once more okay. well guys if you've enjoyed this I guess pop over to hangelcellular.com have a look about loads of reviews loads of interviews loads of essays um, and if you are interested in the whole economic crisis there was a film released in Korea last year called Default um, which dealt with the IMF bailout and all the the stuff that went along with it. There's a review of default on the there's a link on the very the, the homepage of the site. So if you're interested in sort of setting attack the gas station in more context, click on that and have a read, and hopefully it'll it'll point you to what was going on in the economy when Kim Sang Jin was making this film. Would that be a movie that because it was such a distinct memory that that that, that was a both a well reviewed movie and a well attended movie? Yeah, it was huge. It, it was hugely successful, and it's because of the subject matter and the fact that it is actually really, really well done. It's it's well worth watching if you, if you get a chance to catch it. But you know, it my review sort of takes you briefly through the whole economic crisis thing as well because it needs context. So it does indeed. Uh, well, in the meantime, uh, we're going to conclude this episode on Attack the Gas Station, and uh, I've been Kennedy, and with me was Paul Queen of uh, Hangul Celluloid, so uh, say your goodbyes, and uh, don't uh, go to gas stations with a beating stick. It doesn't fly It doesn't fly in 2018, and I don't even know if there are gas stations anymore out there in the world. Well, Dan, I'm not aware either, but, you know, we'll stay away from it. Thanks for listening, guys. Speak to you soon. I'm a walker, so I don't, I don't, I don't go to these things, these uh, highfalutin things. <laughs>